This podcast is sponsored by Adtran. Adtran knows the challenges of managing a robust subscriber network. That's why they built Mosaic One, a single interface to view the network from end to end. Schedule a demo today by visiting adtran.com slash mosaic one. Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Phil Harvey. I'm an editor here at Light Reading. I'm Kelsey Zeiser. I'm also an editor at Light Reading. And I'm Mike Dano, and I'm also an editor at Light Reading for Mobile Strategies. Fantastic. Uh, welcome, Mike. Appreciate you being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. We put this podcast together to have five questions about 6G. Honestly, we can have as many questions because we probably won't don't have enough to answer all of them. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Do you want? Should we have it as six questions for six G to make it uh, even steeper? I have a bonus question in mind. Ah, I don't know if go. you're going to like it. <laughs> cool. I can only come up with five, so I just changed the title at the last minute. That's. <laughs> I only have one answer anyway, so whatever number, it doesn't matter. Is that is the answer like we'll see? <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. I don't know. Could be. Could be. We'll I'm going to have to get back to you. <laughs> Those are all acceptable uh, answers on the telecom. You know timeline. The first question I had actually was, uh, you know, are we already in the planning stages and and maybe specifically who is in the planning stages for 6G, considering that, you know, everybody on this podcast has at one time or another been somewhat critical that 5G, you know, hasn't really been shaking the earth just yet in terms of what you can do with it, at least not yet, but are we already jumping ahead to 6G? I think we definitely are. I mean, there was a a tweet from... Uh, former President Trump in like 2019 or 2018. Uh-huh. Uh, and he mentioned, you know, you had, the U.S. should lead in 5G and it should lead in 6G. <laughs> and at the time that seemed like a joke, but I, I think that was, I think that was spot on. Like, you know, Huawei started talking about 6G around that time frame, And now we've got enough companies, you know, Nokia started talking about 6G around 2019. Ericsson started talking about it in the 2020 timeframe and, and Rodian Schwartz, which is a big company that, that designs network testing equipment. They had a whole marketing campaign around 6G last year. Uh-huh. We had the formation of a big trade association around 6G last year. Like I think it's moved well beyond a thing and now it's like a real thing. I recall reading about Nokia talking up 6G at one point, and I think the Finnish government had set aside some funding to help explore the possibilities of 6G and that sort of thing. It's not a major effort yet, but there are you know pockets of government funding. Universities are studying it. There's definitely academic and, and corporate research. And of course, the standards bodies are always active in, at least in the exploratory stages of putting things on paper and figuring out what they're going to call it, you know, what what will be defined as 6G, how it's going to look and that sort of thing. My next question is, does 6G take us to the terabyte threshold or how fast do we think 6G is actually going to be? Uh, The one thing I definitely know is that people are really working on 6G. I think there's a lot of time being spent on it right now in labs and in academic forums and at universities and especially in the R&D of some of the big companies and at the policy level. At the, it's, I think we're in the early stages of policy level discussions in, in governments around the world. So like that's all happening, but I think we are, we are not, we're anywhere near knowing what it is. I don't know if that's... <laughs> If that's, if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It makes it like, fun. I, I don't know what you guys think. Like, yeah, is it? You can't be wrong. 
That does be, I mean, it could be anything or everything. So yeah. from that perspective, it's worth talking about, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's hard to put any real thought around this thing. Cause it's, you know, it could be anything or nothing. The times I've heard it kind of talked about in any context of, you know, like what it was going to be was, was the, you know, we'd go from gigabyte to terabyte threshold in terms of speed and, and that latency would basically be non-existent. I could see that being the the far out technical goal uh, for for 6G, but like every other standard, it's probably got an evolutionary path to get there. Yeah, I think there's definitely not not a lot of clarity around it. I would say the two things that I that I have seen that I that that are very sort of tangible around 6G right now is that, that there is a discussion around transmissions above 80 gigahertz. As we've all come to discover with 5G, one of the real big parts of 5G was that it allowed you to do communications in different spectrum bands that were not typically used for 4G or 3G. So 5G rolls around and yeah, it's a little bit more spectrally efficient, but the real deal is that you can use a lot more different spectrum bands. You can use mid bands, you can use millimeter wave bands, and those all go up to about you know 30 or 40 gigahertz. So there's a discussion around that 6G is going to be 80 gigahertz uh, and above that 95 gigahertz, all these like super high frequency communications. I think most people agree that that's what's going down with 6G is that it's in those, it's in even higher spectrum bands. And then the other, I thought, real tangible thing that we did see with 6G was that um, Ericsson put out a video about like, here's what we think 6G is going to do. It's the the typical vendor pie in the sky, like it's going to be amazing. <laughs> and everybody's good. It's like, it's this diverse cast of actors who are all, right. young and they're just hanging out and they're like the, yeah. it's like the new version of the friends TV show. But like <laughs> what, they, what they really showed was they showed this, like it was basically ready player one. You, you put on these like VR goggles and you go, I couldn't get through that movie. <laughs> uh-huh. That's good. Sorry. I like it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Except I don't think anyone's chasing you in, in the, in the Ericsson version of 6G as, as they are in that ready player one movie. There's all yeah. sorts of people that chase the guy. Oh, good. Cause my, my scary action is just to cover my face with my hands. <laughs> so I'm not, not good at running anymore. from things. No, yeah, you'll have, you'll have VR goggles on. You won't be able to cover your eyes anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. And so in the Ericsson video, you know, they talk about like, you, you'll have a, digital sense of smell and a digital sense of taste and you'll be transported to these new environments and blah 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 so i mean that's their version that's their vision of it whether that's the real deal or not you know I'm, i think we've seen similar videos for 5g yeah i'm, I'm still waiting on my drone taxi to arrive same <laughs> what about the uh transition to 6g do you think it'll be um, uh, easier or smoother than the transition from 4g to 5g uh, who knows? I mean, <laughs> I can't imagine it's going to be nice and smooth. I do have two things that I think are interesting. So one is that if you're in the terahertz spectrum bands, the signals travel an even shorter distance. So that will be an issue with 6G is that, you know, if 5G is sort of limited to downtown areas and high traffic areas, presumably 6G will be even further, you know, the, the coverage areas will be even smaller potentially. Hmm. And if that's the case, then, you know, you've got to get more transmitters. It might only be mm-hmm. in the home. It's hard to know how that's all going to play out. Um, just like it was in the early days of 5G. I think the other real big deal is that, you know, you talk about like, is it going to be a smooth transition? Well, I think there's, there is a definite trajectory toward the Chinese version of 6G and the, and the U S 
version of 6G. I think that the writing is certainly on the wall for something like that. I would not be surprised at all if that's how things actually turn out. Meaning that uh, that we'll have two completely different six, you know, sort of variants of 6G that won't be in, at all interoperable. Pretty much. I think, yeah. you know, just like we had it in 3G, we've, we had the, right. like, the UMTS version in right. Europe and we yeah. had EDS CDMA in China and then we had CDMA and in the US and then we had GSM and, you know, a couple of other places. And I think there's a strong possibility that we'll go back to that. Latin America has got this weird version of 6G, but... Is that due to all the restrictions on Huawei? Right now, or yeah. like, what are you? Pretty much. I mean, I'm just reading. I'm, I'm just reading this. You know, the same coverage that we all are of like what the New York Times is writing about for U.S.-China relations, and it, and uh, it, it does not seem like the relations are getting any any smoother. You know, China has very much made it clear that they want to be a global technology powerhouse, and the Biden administration, I think, is very much you know making it clear that they're not going to cede any ground. And you know, if you just follow, if you just follow that out, like eventually it's going to hit the the standards bodies and eventually China is just going to be like, you know, screw this. We're not going to play your game Mm -hmm. anymore. We're going to go invent our own thing and it's going to be way better. And we're going to reap all the benefits from the creation of this new standard that then we'll push to all of our allies, you know, and create this ecosystem around it. And and then they'll get all the money from it, you know, and and puts them closer to dominating the, you know, global economy. It seems like that was kind of great. (laughs) <laughs> I feel like this is a that sounds awesome makeup for Sign a movie. <laughs> it, well, it yeah. seems like this was a, this was kind of put into motion, you know, when they started with this whole race to five G. It's like you know the the hyper competitiveness between the West and and China. You just kind of think it's it's gonna it's it's heading that direction. We're going to go back to this four or five different standards of the same technology all over the world and. That means when you travel to certain places, you'll either have to have a different kind of phone or, you know, some sort of eSIM technology that accommodates changing one style of 6G to another, or we'll all fall back to 3G when we're in different countries. <laughs> I think that's, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, we, we all traveled around during the age of 3G. Like, yeah, you know, it's not impossible. No, I had my little Nokia, uh, my, my orange answer phone, my little Nokia candy bar phone that I kept, you know, for my <laughs> trips to yeah. Europe. And it worked great. Like a champ. I loved it. Get, get your maps and make your calls, do some texting. You know, yeah, maybe. play that little game with the snake. <laughs> that was fantastic. <laughs> Let's see. So, uh, you know, I was going to ask about the timeline for 6G, like what the next big milestone is going to be. I mean, obviously the standards bodies are going to kind of set that in motion. Unless some manufacturer has a technical breakthrough, I don't really know what the next milestone that we would kind of look for in the telecoms industry to sort of say, oh yeah, this is really happening or this is going to happen yeah. by this date. So the one, the timelines that I've seen, it, it basically puts it at commercial introduction in 2028. 2028 to 2030. Gotcha. But the next thing that, that I think we're all really looking forward to is the world radio communication meeting, the ITU meeting in 2023. There's a big, it's basically where all the regulators around the world get together and try to make sure that they're all using the basic same spectrum bands. And that's important because if you, if you travel from the U.S. to Brazil or Italy or whatever, you, you want your phone to work. And that the, re- the reason that happens is because 
all of those regulators got together and said, okay, let's, you know, let's all use six gigahertz for this. Let's all use four gigahertz for this. And sort of, they basically put all the same stuff in about the same location. There's a lot of differences around the world, but that WRC meeting uh, that is scheduled for 2023, that's where a lot of that stuff happens. And so that's kind of the first place where they'll probably be like, okay, what, you know, what's 6G, where is it going to sit? Is it going to sit at 80 gigahertz or is it going to sit at 90 gigahertz? Should we all work on freeing up, you know, 100 gigahertz? Like, what is it going to look like? And that kind of is where the discussion starts. And then probably some point soon thereafter, it would begin moving into the uh, standards bodies. And so that standards body process, you know, takes however many years. You you could see a standard getting close to being done in 2025, 2026 timeframe, commercial availability in 2028 depending on how fast they want to move. Sounds about right. That's that's a that's a long way off, but I mean, that's also Yeah, I was, I was thinking about how old I'll be. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so, I, I guess the, the last question that I had was about just this idea of latency, you know, super low latency, which is that you know, don't we before we get to 6G, don't we need some kind of edge computing breakthrough where computation is happening like inside of cars and in smaller and smaller devices, closer and closer to people, because even for 5G to work as advertised, we just don't seem to have the infrastructure to support that yet. And not everything can go all the way to the cloud and back. Do you kind of feel like that might be jump ahead of the other, or do you think we might get to 6G before we get to like an edge computing revolution? Maybe <laughs> that's, that's one of the ones <laughs> so, like, I, I have no idea that what yeah, do you think? A, <laughs> I have no I, clue. The, that's Maybe, where that's probably? one of the it's one of the things I'm kind of wrestling with is sort of like you know, for 5G to be everything it was promised. And we keep kind of hearing this now that there's been deployments. It's like, well, okay, autonomous cars, autonomous vehicles, for instance, work really well in certain scenarios, but in most cases, they have to be in a scenario where they have to do all of the uh, road recognition and computational stuff inside the car itself but before it you know it can't be constantly checking with the network and going back it just doesn't have the time to do that and make split second decisions one would think so yeah that's where i'm kind of looking at it from is like little applications like that that are zero you know near zero latency doesn't seem like we can do very many of them right now and we certainly can't do them at scale so i was thinking well maybe we'll hit this like edge computing renaissance at some point but that would be several years away. And if we do that, are we already at 6G? I don't know. I'm, I'm looking forward to being educated about that. <laughs> exactly. I'm <laughs> I'm interested to see how that plays out as well. And, you know, I, I agree that I think that's going to be an issue. I don't know how it will be addressed and if it will be addressed in the same time frame as 6G. But like uh, going back to that Ready Player One, there's a whole part in that book where they, they try to like move where the Oasis computer program is located like they try to put themselves physically close to that computer program in the book maybe 6g has the same thing where you like like want to live close to where all this stuff is happening Mm -hmm. my son said that they've got he follows a bunch of gamers online they they live close to where the game is is hosted like his his, like popular gamer people like Uh they literally live close to the server so that they can play better i wonder if i should just move you know, get a tent and move underneath a tower near my house. That'd be so fast. Your internet is so fast. I know. Be so like, he's like, what do you need? What do you need? Look, you I need just my- downloaded a movie in 0.8 seconds or whatever. <laughs> 
fat lot of good that does me. <laughs> I know. I want to see the next. I want. I want it to be fast enough that I see the next season of The Mandalorian. Like, well, there you go. Ahead, yeah, ahead of before, when it's open. That's. I before want to see it's it, even like, finished editing. Before Just, it's out. Before it's yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to share this quote from the Wall Street Journal. This is all. This is all. Um, in the journal only about a year ago. And it was, it was an article on 6G and this just cracked me up because it's the thing that we crack on about 5G prognostications, but it says futurists are imagining a world where robots manipulated remotely by doctors perform surgery on patients without any potentially dangerous lag time. In the business world, meetings could be attended by high resolution holograms mimicking in real time the movement's of people working remotely. See, descriptions like that are why I think people are not just kind of bummed out about 5G and 6G in general. <laughs> it's, it's just like, <laughs> it's the same old tired thing, remote surgery and really better meetings. Is that all we're going to get come up with? <laughs> I did see in the, I think it was the Wall Street Journal a few years ago, one of their reporters was uh, working from home and she I guess they'd put like the equivalent of like an iPad on a, on a robot that would roll around the office and she got stuck in the elevator <laughs> one time and had to wait for a coworker to let her out. So good times. Know. Yeah. <laughs> Even if you get that stuff to work. Yeah, no, it's, it's a, I just think, I, I think ready player one's a better, a, a better imagining of where we could go with this. But yeah, it's like if, if all we can look forward to with 6G is, is, really cool meetings. I'm out. I'm already declaring it dead on arrival. I don't want it to happen. I'll go back to, I'll, I'll happily go back to 4G or whatever. Anyway, uh, uh, Kelsey, did, I, I've used my allotment of questions. Do you have anything else uh, for, for Mike on 6G? Mine's kind of a goofy one, but does 6G mean that, um, you know, Skynet's finally online? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> I think for sure. Uh, well, I think in the movies, they talk about, I think it's already happened in the movies. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. When Skynet gains, gains consciousness. I think that was like, I think that happened last year. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe that was like, in, uh, tw- it was right around 2020, wasn't it? Yeah. That was the. I think that's uh, right. We, we didn't know we were all inside, but. <laughs> exactly. According to the, the timeline given to us in the nineties or whenever that movie came or the Terminator two came out, we're already living in the Skynet era. I mean, it, it, it sounds like we're still holding out for some of all those promised benefits of, of 5g. So even if 6g emerges in what, 2030, it's still going to be a while for us to really see the benefits unless we all want to move to wherever the video games are. <laughs> i'm definitely gonna do that uh i don't think any of us have a 5g phone right you guys don't uh, have i don't i do not no. No. yeah see none of us do so yeah i'm, I'm on at t so occasionally i do have 5g uh because it because it's 5g so yeah. i actually am the same yeah yeah they do i have they, the faux 5g they try to convince me i have 5g once in a while but when part of the reason we're covering this on light reading you know we're, we're we've we've put a channel up where we're categorizing, you know, 6G stories, but we're not seriously looking at the day-to-day of 6G as much as we are 5G. It's more about looking ahead and seeing what kind of, you know, structural changes or government funding or whatever that has to kind of line up. And this it takes this stuff, you know, a while to get going. So we start we start covering it now. By the time it it gets here, we'll start to see a path for how this stuff took shape, you know, even while 5G was still finding its footing and, and getting getting established. 
the the future will be here sooner than we think. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I mean, nothing nothing will change until everything changes. But if I can keep this phone long enough, hopefully the the i the icon will change to six G because it used to be mine used to say four G and now it says five G. Change it to six G also, and then I'll have a six G phone. Yeah. I'm just going to ask AT&T this, if I just, just for parties, if I, you know, when we start going back to parties, could I, you know, top up my bill and throw them a few bucks and they put 7G on there just so I can freak everybody oh, out man. at parties. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be the life just... of the, of the big 5G event. That's right. <laughs> Look what I can do. That's a, yeah, right. <laughs> Wait, well, that's a, that's a, a quick look at what we see now in the short term for 6G and where, where we think things are. Mike, thanks for playing uh, five and or six questions about 6G. Yeah, thanks for having me. And Kelsey, thanks, uh, thanks for being here as well. This podcast is sponsored by Adtran. Adtran knows the challenges of managing a robust subscriber network. That's why they built Mosaic One, a single interface to view the network from end to end. Schedule a demo today by visiting adtran.com slash mosaic one.